A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome down to the Rituals podcast this is season two episode number two and let me just start things off by thank you so much for your amazing comments on uh, episode number one um hopefully fingers crossed the audio on this one is slightly better we've invested in a little bit of equipment and uh not gonna be not gonna lie to you it's taken me hours to set up but fingers crossed this sounds silky uh and we are backed with another cram packed episode we're gonna be talking all things about golf golf news the videos that i've done on social media and also a little bit about presence cup a little bit about the best brands of 2019 because there's been some amazing brands in my opinion 2019 and we might even get some opinions on what we think has been the worst brands of 2019 now you saw him or you heard him in episode number one producer guy is back on the podcast everybody hello rick we should almost like, have like an artificial round of applause if we're doing it in front of a live audience. And also, we've got another guest to the channel, a good friend of mine. Uh, not been on the channel for a while, but he's always a fantastic character when he does get involved. As long as he stays level-headed and not too angry, it's Mr. Matt Fryer. Hello, everybody. I've not got a kind of monster, so hopefully I'll be uh, on my best behaviour. Yeah, me and Guy are rocking the monster at the moment. Uh, in fact, that brings us quite nicely into our first ad read, uh, brought to you by Monster, I wish, <laughs> one day, everybody. Um, so yeah, thanks again so much for the comments on episode number one. We really enjoyed making it. Um, like I say, you can find it, as you always do, on um, iTunes and Spotify, and maybe down the line, if it starts to get popular enough, I'd love to film them mm, and kind of put sure. them on YouTube. It'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? Because at the moment, if you could see the setup, we are here in Rickshields Media HQ in Salford, Manchester. Um, it's actually a sunny day as opposed to a bad day. It's the Friday before busy weekend. Uh, Guy's going on holiday tomorrow to Dubai, so he's in holiday mode. I am, and I was looking forward to using this new microphone. And I've got Matt Fryer sat next to me, stealing it. So It's mm. quite intimate, though. We're, it we're close. It is a little bit intimate. in the same attire. <laughs> so let's get cracking with the episode. So the first thing we we're going to talk about, and fingers crossed the video has been released. It's currently in the edit, but we're hoping to release it today. Nike Golf. What went wrong? So we teamed up with our good friends at Golf Bidder to sort out some uh, old Nike Golf Clubs. Because if you remember correctly, 2016, August the 3rd, was when Nike decided to no longer make golf bag, golf balls, or golf clubs. Mm -hmm. And it was a kind of a, a shock to the system, shock to the world. And if anybody knows more about this, it's the man that sits to my right, Mr. Guy Charnock, who at the time used to work for Nike. I did, and I actually still remember um, getting the phone call. In fact, it was an email from our um, GM of Europe, Middle East, and Africa, 
and it was obvious to everybody in the business um, saying that we've got a conference call that evening and it's one of those weird situations where I kind of still remember where it was. I used to have a van um, that had all my equipment in it and I was in the van just near the Trafford Centre, near Trafford Golf Centre, which I know both obviously Rick and Matt know very well. And it was an email to say, not that I was looking at my phone when driving, but later on, it was an email to say that I, I think it was 3 or 4 p.m. there's a conference call and that was, that was it, that was all we heard. And we got on the conference call and there was a rather um, short and quite sharp announcement that Nike were pulling out of hardware completely. Which was a massive shot, wasn't it? Huge. I mean, still to this day, and this is three years later, you don't really know the actual um, facts behind why Nike pulled out. But we've made some speculations in our latest video what we feel like Nike did well, because they did a lot really well. You know, they had some of the best players in the world using their equipment, and they made some really good equipment towards the latter stages of development. Uh, always the colours were a little bit suspect, granted, but they were really starting to make leaps and bounds, and then suddenly, overnight, gone. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Nike, Matt? Um, no, never had a Nike club. I did used to love the look of the... Was it the original Tiger Woods iron? The blade that yeah. they did with like the TW stamped in the back? And I think, was it Fleetwood who carried on playing those for a good two, three... And was it some story of him buying Paul Casey's spare set off him or something to, when, yeah. he, when he was running out of his? So never had them, but they looked fantastic, the irons especially. And that was the thing, I must admit, even from day dot, Nike didn't start to make great golf clubs when they first kicked off in 2002, was it, Guy? Yeah. Um, they, it took them a long time, really found, it took a long time for them to find their feet. But you know one of the things I always felt like they did well? I felt I always felt like they did irons well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still remember one of the early reviews on my channel of the slingshot irons, almost saying that yeah. the most forgiving irons I've ever hit, and I would almost stand to that point still now today. Yeah, yeah. amazingly easy, and it's probably the, the iron they're most remembered for, I would say. Yeah, Slingshot was mega popular because it wasn't overly priced. It was very much suited to your kind of beginner, high handicapper, etc. And also, typically, and this is what Nike was really maybe trying to change the dial a little bit, maybe not their normal consumer, maybe the slightly older man, the senior man who actually wanted a bit of support and a bit of help to get the ball up in the air. Suddenly, they're looking down on a Nike golf club, which probably came as a bit of a surprise Shock, to them. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that we mentioned in the video was the fact that the first line of product in 2002, certainly the metal woods, they weren't great. And it's very hard when you obviously enter an industry where you are known for other things to make a product that isn't perfect. And those drivers were far from perfect in terms of performance. It was a little bit before the era of launch monitors, so... You know, there wasn't that data to kind of compare them against the tailor-maids of the day or the titlers of the day, but the feel wasn't great. You could just clearly see they weren't traveling as far. They weren't coming off as face as fast. And those early adopters that were willing to try Nike were quite quickly put off. And I think that left a stigma for a long time that Nike just weren't as good as their competitors. Yeah, I mean, and, and you as a, you know, you were actually... St- Oops, sorry, my phone. Uh, you end up leaving Nike as a as a fitter. Did you start to see it was becoming easier to switch people into Nike golf clubs, or was it still quite a challenge? Both. Um, the clubs were getting better, and certainly from 2013 was when the the covert first first launched, and that was a serious product. 
I started at Nike in 2014, so I fitted with the Covert 2.0, and then, well, I said we, then they launched the um, Vapor product, which was very good. Um, it was hard with some consumers because they didn't, still didn't see Nike as a, as a real golf brand, as a true competitor to your tailor-made titles, pings, etc. But a lot of people, when they tried it, were impressed. As you touched on before, Rick, that the big problem that Nike had towards the, the later years was the colour scheme. And it, it doesn't sound a big big deal, but even the red drivers, and, and this isn't this genuinely is not a joke, I would be fitting people for the red driver. They would gain yards on the current driver, but they wouldn't play it because they supported Man City or they supported Everton, who, if you don't know if you're in the States, those obviously guys are playing in blue. So red's there, obviously, um, nemesis, and, and vice versa. When the drivers went to, to blue... Certainly up in Scotland, where the football's massive, anyone supported Celtic who don't like Rangers who play in blue, they wouldn't want to use a blue driver. So the colour schemes, they were so out there that they, they put a lot of people off. Yeah, I think the, the older generation, when I was working in a pro shop and you would try and sell them a blue driver, they looked down and they thought it was more of a sort of kid's toy mm -hmm. sometimes. And um, like, like you say there, you experienced improvement on what they were using currently, but because purely of a colour scheme, it just never got chance to get in the bag, which was you know, a real shame because some of it, like you say, was fantastic product, but they just shot themselves in the foot with with those eccentric colours. Yeah, both points really, really well made. I think, like I said, the colours were just so were so different to what we've seen in driver and golf clubs in the past. And, and it's a shame because they never always did that. They actually made some really classic-looking clubs. Not always, but what you could find that I actually found it really nice when they brought out the vapor driver which was the grey headed driver mm -hmm. a darker top but actually had a bit more vault underneath yeah. that worked because one vault nobody's got a football team with vault in the colours mm -hmm. have they? Maybe. Maybe now. I almost feel yeah. like they made they made the colour vault up just because that would be something that uh, nobody supports a team with vault in <laughs> but also it was like okay you've got your flash of brightness you got your flash of color yet actually when you look down on the golf club it doesn't look too you know garish it had the yeah. big vault swoosh on the back but that was it and that was that was clever with that vapor um, product because when you walked into a pro shop or a golf retail store the vault was what you saw first so it, it got you and people walked over to it some people would think it looked horrendous but they'd still grab it and then by grabbing it they put it in what would be behind the ball and actually it was quite simplistic it had a little vault swoosh on it towards the heel but the head shape was quite traditional. Then they might want to go and try it, and obviously the performance of it was great. It was such a shame, though, towards the end of 2015, start of 16, when they released the Vapor Fly, they went for the bright blue, uh, Nike called it Photo Blue Driver, which was just so kind of garish and just out there. Matt, question for you. Hit me. What, it's hard to say, granted, but since 2016 and 2019... Nike athletes, certainly wearing apparel, yeah. have won, well, tens of tournaments. Would that have been better for Nike golf if they were using golf clubs or worse? Like, do you get what do you get the yeah, question I get, there? Yeah, I get where you're going like, do you with think, that. With, let's say this year, for example, Rory McIlroy, Nike player, he's had a fantastic season. Four victories this season. Tiger Woods, he's had a fantastic season this season. A major and three victories. Two victories, three victories. He's a lot. If those guys were still using Nike clubs, would they have won more or less in that period of time? Um, it's hard to say, isn't it? I think if they were using them, 
maybe have one less I would go for if they were using the woods particularly if they stuck with just the irons wedges um, I know the ball wasn't a great success really on tour they, you know, a lot of people switched out of it very quickly mm-hmm. I think um, from what from like Nike's standpoint the way I see it as a, a consumer of looking at of watching golf on TV I see so many more players wearing Nike apparel now and I immediately jump to like oh they're wearing Nike that's that's fine and I'd be you know comfortable to go and buy Nike clothing um but even if Tiger was still playing a Nike driver I wouldn't I wouldn't probably go near it myself so I think in terms for them as a brand it's probably better I'd say yeah I think the they're not losing out on any sales really because people are still buying the clothing they got more eyes on the clothing and probably boosted from there but I don't think in getting back to your original question I don't think many as many tournaments would have been won with night golf clubs yeah it's hard to tell isn't it one thing I want to pull you up on there Matt and Guy Guy will give you a better description of this so often I know I when I first started reviewing Nike clubs I Mm. would call it Nike clubs what's the correct terminology guy it is Nike I think a lot of the people in the US um, do say Nike in the UK it is pretty much everybody says Nike but I can tell you it is actually Nike and what what reason I believe it was the um, the Greek goddess of victory which I think you pronounce actually Nike but it gets she I think it's a she gets called Nike so therefore it's Nike Something to do with his running days, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Bill Bauman. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go, everybody. So, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the video, guys. It, it was a nice little topic. And like I said, the reason why it came up is that off the back of such a, such a successful 2019 for um, Nike golfers, we decided to make a really cool video and pull out, walk down memory lane, bag full of Nike golf clubs, and again, connected it with golf bidder, our good friends there. Um, bringing us on to um, a, a key part of Nike. Mr. Tiger Woods, coming up soon is the President's Cup. How arsed are we? <laughs> That's <sounds> quite a <laughs> bold statement. Like this one, Matt. <laughs> How um, bothered are we about the President's Cup being from the UK? Obviously, we're not involved. How bothered are we about spectating? If, if I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Might maybe see a few shots and I'd be a little bit excited but I'm not going to purposefully because it, it's in Australia isn't it that's right so I'm I'm not going to stay up till silly o'clock or get up at silly o'clock to watch it it doesn't really it doesn't mean anything to me no and it doesn't and I think the only thing that I would possibly watch it for and I, I, I might not be speaking out of line but if Tiger wasn't playing, I almost think I wouldn't oh, at all wouldn't even watch it. watch it. The only the only time I'm going to watch it, obviously I love watching Tiger play with any capacity. I'm glad he is playing. It was picked yesterday that he he is the captain's pick. <laughs> he picked himself, which is rightfully so. <laughs> it's rightfully so. He picked um, Tony Finau, Patrick Reed, and Gary Woodland. Uh, they're the four remaining picks. Uh, surprising didn't pick someone like Ricky Fowler. But if I'm honest, mm. Ricky's not had a great year. He's been a bit off the boil. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you his last top 10 I don't know whether he's had one recently I feel like he's probably had some sneaky top 10s but just never really pushed the envelope for any victories this year uh, but like I say it'll be interesting to a degree uh, I'm just can't wait for the Ryder Cup next year I feel like you know certainly from us in the UK what would be interesting to ask someone from Australia are they bothered about the Ryder Cup 
Possibly not. Having yeah, having Aussie friends, definitely I know guys who'll get up and watch it and it'll be a big part of of the golfing calendar for them. So why 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 do we not get into the President's Cup? What what's what's the difference? That's a good question. And I think for me, when I watch the Ryder Cup, obviously I support Europe, obviously being a European, but I think I I'm, I, I weirdly, and I know Rick's the opposite to this, I don't get amped up for the Ryder Cup until like the day before. It just doesn't, on paper, massively excite me. But then once, when I watch the build-up, I know Sky Sports will do a great job now of the build-up, and even on Sky Sports News, they have the countdown, etc. for when it's coming on. By the time it starts, I am kind of really up for it. I don't feel like I've seen that much of the President's Cup build-up. I might be wrong, but I don't feel like it's that talked about. I, I, I don't know. I think things, certainly this day and age, get more amped up on social media because obviously we're on social media a lot. If you go on Instagram or Twitter, there's a lot more about it. What would be interesting, uh, if you if we weren't on social media, I honestly don't think we'd see anything about it. It's not being advertised on TV. It's not being advertised. It, is it even aired on Sky Sports over here in the UK? I think it is. And it's like, like if the question for you, how many President's Cups have you watched in the past? Could you reel them off? Uh... No, and there's, for me, <laughs> there's was no. It last year? Yeah, exactly. There's no <laughs> in America for us. I don't think there's that. Um, the kit like in the Ryder Cup. There's so much history, and you can think of shots like Christy O'Connor hitting the two iron at the Belfry. You can think of um, again Paul Laurie mm-hmm. jumping in the lake at 18, and and there's that history as we grow up as kids. You know, when you're playing your match play over here, um, you have that little battle. Oh, this is to beat. USA or whatever it is when you're playing it as where for President's Cup I, I couldn't tell you when it started I don't know when the first President's Cup match was I don't know how many there's been I wouldn't know if it's on a yearly basis which countries are fully involved so I just so don't have a connect to it if you've come to this podcast looking for some information about the President's Cup I think it's safe to say <laughs> you've come to the wrong place yeah I've got none yeah <laughs> established in 1994. So it's, wow, that's young then. So it's really young, yeah. Um, let's see what's happening. Is there any news? Uh, yeah, not even on Wikipedia, I'll be honest, it's not very... Uh, it's, <laughs> we need to update it after this. Uh, it's podcast. not particularly very inspiring. Um, yeah, there's been one, two, three, four, yeah, a few matches. <laughs> um, do, we, do we think that a little bit? Are we sometimes spoilt with social media because I, I feel like now I don't watch that much golf because I know I get the highlights on either YouTube or on Instagram or Twitter so I won't I won't probably watch a single minute of the President's Cup but yeah if there is any good shots I will see them on social media yeah you'll get you'll get clips and even thinking back to watching European Tour when I was in sort of when I would play quite a lot I'd be wanting to watch it seeing what they're doing as well now I think you're right we can see the quick hits of who's done what and who's leading and and you know find out who hit that great shot where and when as where for me I'll only I don't know how you are I'll only watch majors Mm -hmm. selected majors as well the open the masters might watch a bit of US open might watch a bit of PGA and the Ryder Cup and that's it because I can get everything else like you say on on Insta or Twitter or whatever it may be yeah I think that's a good point I think because of the instant um you know, connection content, let's say, you get right now when President's Cup's on. I'm sure I'll follow probably the President's Cup 
on social media for that period of time. It's at the start of December, but then very quickly unfollow for another two years until it kicks back off. Uh, just to give you some stats, uh, there's been one. So USA has won every single one of them so far. Close Sorry, contest. bar one. The international team won in 1998 in Australia. Um, actually by a demanding lead, 20 and a half to 11 and a half. And there's been one tie break at 17-17 back in 2003. But pretty much the USA dominate the President's Cup from all accounts and purposes. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm kind of rooting for international team now. Cause yeah, that's if, my question would be, who would you support? Were... I'd support Tiger, yeah. and then mm. I'd support the international team. <laughs> that probably doesn't quite You've make sense. Uh, like I say, hopefully it's going to be a good tournament. I'm sure it'll be fun to watch, and we'll, uh, we'll be talking in a podcast in the future going, how good was the President's Cup? Let's see if that happens one day. Um, right, brings us quite nicely onto our first sponsor of the podcast this week. Um, now, we're very fortunate here at Rickshaw's podcast that we've got a fantastic sponsor, uh, a sponsor that's been an amazing um Support system to the podcast so far. Um, sponsored episode number one, and, and luckily we've asked again, and they've sponsored episode number two. I thought they were going to say no. I did, I did. I thought there's no way they're going to be impressed with podcast number one. Well, they've they've paid for this audio system <laughs> and put this into place, uh, guys. Make sure you go and follow the fantastic Facebook page of Rick Shields PGA. Free golf tips every day on there, posting new content. Uh, the following on there is growing at such a ridiculous rate. I think we're up to nearly 120,000 followers now, so thanks so much for that. Um, we It's a really nice platform to interact. Facebook has really changed my mind over the last few months and has become one of my favorite platforms. Facebook is a happy place. It is. Twitter's not so happy. No. Twitter can be very toxic and quite uh, horrible. Don't, don't, if the at Rick Shields PGA Twitter account ever wants to sponsor the podcast, we're saying no. Just a quick note while we're on the topic of social media and numbers. And if you listened pretty much, I think it was towards the end of the last episode, we said we were just short of 200 million views on YouTube. And we did say that if you watched the videos and repeat watch that we might send you out a check in the post. And we've actually hit 200 million views. I scrapped the check in the post. Let's get rid of that idea, please. <laughs> Um, no, amazing. Yeah, 200. Who would have thought it? 200 million, million total views on the YouTube channel, which is astonishing. So thanks so much for your support. That's in the five or six years that it's been going. Uh, in the last year, the last 365 days, we've had um, 65 million views. So the, the views seem to just be going up at the moment, which is great. So thanks so much for your support. And 1.2 billion billion minutes watched on the channel billion just for context i actually worked out before rick and that equates to i think roughly 2300 years of minutes to watch wow that's ridiculous so thank you so much guys like i say i love making content on there um we've got some more fun videos coming up soon so make sure you stay tuned to that and uh i think by next podcast if we can just aim for like maybe 500 million views yeah so, guys, if you just if you just put every computer on the house on repeat uh, and phone and internet source, go into the Apple Store and just go onto every Mac, open YouTube, type Rick Shields, start from newest and play throughout. That'd be great. Thanks for your support. No, it's fun. We enjoy doing it. Right, next point. 
As we come to the tail end of 2019 and before we start seeing new product for 2020, because it is around the corner, I'm already starting to see glimpses and getting very excited about what's coming out in 2020. And do not threat, it'll be reviewed in some way, shape or form, either a main review or it'll be a um, review show, which hopefully will be coming again soon. Um, Matt, question for you. You're not sponsored. Are you sponsored by a manufacturer? No. Okay, good. And Guy's not, and I'm not. Brands 2019, who's had the best year 2019, Matt? Ooh. Um, I'd, I'd Cobra would be probably the one that sticks in my mind with their driver. They seem to have really hit a sweet spot with the um, the other companies charging quite considerable amounts. I'm coming in underneath them and... Um, from what I see from lessons, definitely I've seen an influx of people coming in with a Cobra driver as where it was always generally ping TaylorMade or Callaway, you know, say out of 10 drivers, it was probably three, three, four as where now Cobras are coming in with three of those along the, along there. And irons wise, maybe not so much, but I think on a driver standpoint, that's been the one for me. Yeah. Can't argue with that. No, the, I think the driver this year has been incredible. I've had it in the bag since January. Um, for me, it had a lot of different things to offer. Uh, some technologies we've definitely seen before, but sur- surrounded into a, a much more uh, promising driver from Cobra. I've never been the biggest fan of Cobra drivers, so this one came as a little bit of a shock to me. And like you mentioned before, it's at a different price point. It's yeah. £350. It's not £500 like TaylorMade and Callaway. And it's delivering the numbers that you'd want to expect. And also, even like the daft things, like the things that we overlook, like the milling of the face, the GNC milling of the face, that's awesome. And they, that looks so cool yeah, on a driver. Smart. I agree. But Uh-oh. I'm going to ask either Uh-oh. of you to name me what Cobra's wedges are called. Um, the Sugar no. Sugar Daddy. Sugar Daddy. That's PXG. Pure. P-U-R. Okay. Like you are. <laughs> what are you trying to say? No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think. I think, because we haven't determined, we haven't got a, a definition of best. And I think from our point of view, it's who has made the most ground in terms of like what Matt said in people's bags. I do agree that the driver has been phenomenal. I think the price point has been very clever. It's performed. It's got the Arcos in the grip. It's got the milled face. It's a great club. But for me, and this is a bit of a curveball, and it's, kind of cringe saying it but I actually think Taylor made have and the reason for that is I think this year and possibly last year but this year Taylor made I would say rival titleist for the most all-round golf bag they've got obviously great drivers which we know we expect the irons are solid and have been for a number of years but this year in particular I think with the Spider X it's really strengthened that Spider franchise I think the TP5 and the TPX is solid golf ball and it's become the kind of golf ball where if your playing partner uses that over a Pro V1, you almost don't question them anymore. It used to be a bit like, mm. why are you using a tailor-made ball? Whereas now it's like, it's a proper golf ball. And I think even though with the new wedges, there's been some argument that the face being rusty is a bit gimmicky, but the wedges are they really good. Beautiful. They are. Yeah, they're good-looking wedges. So I just think, for me, I know it's a bit of a boring brand to say because it's kind of one of the mainstream brands, but through the bag, they have been really good this year. Yeah, yeah. Again, I can't argue with that. I think as an overall brand, you look at what TaylorMade have done this year, last year, or even two years ago, and you had them in the bag, Matt. And I don't know if you still have the best irons. I honestly believe that have probably ever been made for the biggest, widest audience of golfers, from hackers 
to Me. Matt Fryer <laughs> the P790s. Have you still got them in the yeah, bag? Yeah, I've still got mine in my bag and think they're great. They do sometimes you get that odd jumpy shot, but I think you're right. You know, I'll teach guys who come in who are off you know, 20 handicap and they've got the same irons as me, obviously a different shaft and, you know, spec, but they look, oh, right, we're using the same irons and it, is, it does cover that real broad spectrum there. Yeah, and, and you always need distance, to be fair, as well, yeah, Matt. So. I do, yeah, to try and get it up there. <laughs> but I th- I, when, when what Guy's just said there, I think you are right. And do you think that's to do with the signing of more of the, you know, your Tiger Woods, Jason Day? They've really got a, a stronghold of some of the world's best players now, so having an input from them is um, helping them get that sort of all-round classification. It's not, it's not a bad shout, Matt, because like you said... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you look at their stable now, Tiger, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, John Rahm, John and then Rahm. you've got uh, Ricky on the ball. Ricky yeah. on the ball, which was a shock to everybody and still is a bit weird. The, the, you know, there's even like the likes of your Matt Wolfs coming up. So you've got these kids who are coming. I would imagine they're quite deep in the college game as well, testing with those guys and getting a lot of product in with them over in the States. So they've probably got a pool that's so deep to actually... Um, you know, test and get as a sounding board is why they've probably got to that, you know, like you say, the the full bag being a star. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I can't overlook any other brand bar TaylorMade. Uh, I, I, some of me thinks Titleist, but yeah. Titleist have kind of, if we were to put a league table across the last 10 years of the brand of the year, Titleist would probably won it majority of the time. Agreed. The yeah. only downside, this is my own personal view, 
is that it <laughs> it's so good and it's so consistent. I almost expect it. So, like for example, Bit bored. This, yeah, and that's I hate to say that because when I was playing golf before I worked for Nike, most of my clubs that I went out and bought myself would be Titleist. I had Vokies, a Scotty, AP2s, etc. And it's now, if someone said to me, you can go out and have a full bag, but it's all going to be one brand, and obviously ball included, it would be between probably Titleist and TaylorMade. But it just feels like Titleist is just it's not too solid, not too consistent, because that doesn't make sense. But it, something that doesn't excite me. Yeah, you want to be wowed. You yeah, want to bring something out, and you go, oh my God, I didn't expect that from you. And, and it's amazing. And that, this year they did do that. They brought out, well, end of last year, they brought out new product lines with the drivers. So obviously the TS had new names, etc. The Irons, although they are essentially AP2s, etc., have got new names. They have tried that a little bit, and it, it does work. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't quite, I don't know. They're potentially not as innovative mm-hmm. as tailor-made like i honestly and i've not seen any i don't know what they're going to bring out for next year i have no idea on the driver this, this tailor-made, tailor-made yeah. but i'm excited mm-hmm. you know what i mean i'm excited to see it i'll sit in that tailor-made meeting when they present the next product for next year and we will go in with no idea what they're going to show us but be like ah wow okay that makes sense that doesn't yeah I feel like tight list. I'd be like, okay, yeah, should we just, again. should we just, yeah, and, and a bit like ping, same again, guys. Should we just, should we just change the name again? You know, and that's to some degree, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, if it works, don't yeah, try and broke, don't fix correct. It. it just, I don't know. Going back to your point there, guy, about the fact that you go in and you want to be wild and you want to be excited. I think that is part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have clubs in your bag that your mates are asking, oh, what are those new irons like? You don't want to go to tee up and everyone go, oh, you got Titleist. Yeah. I think that's part of the, like, even, you know, sometimes when people, like, the reviews on online and stuff and they're talking, I think part of the hobby is going out and buying a nice golf club. And when I was playing as an amateur, it was save up, like, as, as a kid, sort of save up to get the new club. And it was like, oh, I've just got this. And you think, oh, it's, you know, shiny, sparkly. It does all this. And it was a real part of the, the experience of just being a golfer as well and, I don't get that from Titleist that much, but TaylorMade, like you say, I would always be eyes on whatever they release. I want to know what, what it is. And I agree. On the other, on the flip side of that, last thing I'd say on this, though, if I went to a driving range and someone said, you can hit any balls you want, I'd say, I'll have some Pro-V ones. If someone said, you can have any putter you want, I'd probably go, I'll have a Scotty. Wedges, I'll have Vokies. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's the brand Catch that... Catch 22, isn't it? it? Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> last point then. We praised what we think is the best brand yeah. of 2019. And to be fair, I think, as we mentioned, Cobra have done some nice bits in spells and TaylorMade have possibly pushed the envelope again. And, you know, Callaway have had a quietish year. What's been the worst brand? I'm going to throw a curveball in here and it's probably going to get a lot of hate. So I apologise if this offends anybody. <laughs> Mizuno. Ooh. Wow. Let me tell you why. Wow. The I feel like we've got, some, we've got to put some protection out for you. Yeah, I know. I am <laughs> sorry. Don't get me wrong. Gonna be. I would have a set of their irons tomorrow. The irons are class. We know that. Everybody knows that. We obviously did the video recently, which was the kind of blind test where we let golfers try out loads of different brands, and Mizuno came out was feeling the best. So that is absolutely a given. The reason I'm saying Mizuno is they're still pushing the golf ball. They're still pushing wedges. They're still push, pushing metals. Yeah, I don't seem to have gained much traction. I don't see many Mizuno drivers in people's bags. 
I don't know anything. What have you got? Driver. Mizuno, driver, Mizuno, wedges. This point's not going down very well. But (laughs) we don't see many drivers. We don't see many people using the ball. Oh, no, the ball. And although the wedges are good, I feel like people would only have Mizuno wedges because they've got Mizuno irons. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, if if you're a Mizuno fan, yes, you have everything. I Mm. I follow the Facebook page on um, Mizuno... I don't know what it's called, MizunoFanboys.com. And um, often, when pictures get put on there, it is a Mizuno bag, tour bag, off standard. Mizuno driver, Mizuno three-wood, Mizuno hybrid, Mizuno irons, Mizuno wedges, Mizuno putter, Mizuno shoes, Mizuno ball. Like, they will have everything Mizuno. That's, like, die-hard fans. And that's that's great to have. But, like, they make amazing irons. You almost feel like, what would be your advice, Guy? Would you say stick in your lane and make the best irons in the world or try and get better at everyone, See, everything else? That is ex- the only reason I'm saying they've had the worst year isn't because the irons are phenomenal, but it's because they're trying these other avenues but don't seem to be massively gaining traction. So if they were just sticking to making irons, I would say they've had a class year because the new irons are really, really good. And players like Brooke Kepp are putting them in the bag without him being paid. Exactly. But it's just the fact that last... I mean, this is all feelings and thoughts. I don't have any stats on this, so I don't know how well the ball is selling, etc. But I don't... You don't see it. You don't... Never. No, no one. And like you said, imagine if imagine if your mate turned up with a Mizuno ball. You'd be like... What are you doing, mate? Why are you playing with that? Like, what, yeah. what's that about? Do you think, uh, it, like, if they went down the route of a Cobra... Um, and sort of undercut everyone on price. That would be one way of getting the driver into more people's bags. Because, from my like my opinion, the the driver's great, looks brilliant, feels great. Um, but some people might go, well, I'm three four nine or three nine nine, whatever it is. I'll, do you know what? I'll just pay fifty quid more for a tailor made. Yeah. It- you know, what I'd see this is bold. I'd love to see a collaboration between Cobra and Mizuno. Mm-hmm. They merge into one. Cobra make the woods because you're yeah. really good at making wow. woods. Ooh. Mizuno, you make the irons. Sack off wedges. Sack off putters both here. Yeah. But I, that's never going to happen. You know, brand that I've been left very uninspired about this year? I think I can guess. PXG. Mm-hmm. Like they're just considering they come out with all these bold claims. And I'm half of me likes PXG, half of me doesn't. I've met Bob Parsons in the past, a couple of years ago. And actually after I've met him, I actually understood the brand a lot more and the fact that he charges obscene amount of money, but that's the world he lives in. He is a billionaire. Yeah, it's like a Rolls Royce, isn't it, really? I think, think we say billion so much in the podcast. He's, he's a billionaire. Um, and, you know, the friends that he hangs around with, the, the circles of people he mixes with, he would never make cheap golf clubs. That's just period. <laughs> Where what I found this year, I just don't feel like the new stuff has been. Uh, I was quite excited when I first first saw the the first generations of the PXG stuff. Yeah. I thought for a first product, it's bloody awesome. You know, we go back to when Nike, the biggest sports brand in the world, started to bring, bring out products. Their first products were poor. PXG never had that period of time where they, where they made poor products. Yeah. Every single they can't they can't in this day and age and with that much money. They obviously invested in the best engineers, pinched a lot of them from Ping, made the best made the best golf clubs, you know, the unbelievable golf clubs. And I just I was excited to see Gen two, Gen three, what's coming up next. And it's just been a bit uh. I feel that way, um, for me, like about Homna as well. I saw them I noticed they've gone into American golf now and I picked one of the clubs up the other day and it was like I think the driver was five nine nine and I thought it was from the Argos catalogue. 
looked at it and I was a bit, oh, right, is that is that it? That's what everyone's been shouting about. Is this about. the, what's it called now? Something one, AP, no, something can't be AP like that. One, and, can then, it? and that and the, the driving iron, I think it was, or the, the utility rescue club was just, it wasn't setting the world on fire when you put behind it. It wasn't like, I need to have that in my bag. And yeah, the way a- they were X- spoke XP1 about. XP1 is the yeah. Honma driver, XP1. I think I've had this discussion with Rick on several occasions. I think some of these brands that are um, charging so much for their product, it doesn't really work when they try and align that with a performance message. So, for example, if you went into a... There's a shop in London I was in recently, a golf store, and they have, like, Bentley golf clubs, like the car manufacturer. I think it's, like, 10 grand for a set of irons. Now, they don't claim to be any better than a Titleist set or whatever, but the guy that... Or the, the person that buys those is the person that drives a Bentley that is a, a billionaire. Yeah, it's a lifestyle choice. Exactly. Whereas with PXG, it's that bit... Well, the driver's, like, 100, 200 pounds more than the Callaway or Ping or whatever. But they also claim it's better, but it isn't... So then when you go and try that in a store and you see it perform the same as a Ping or a Callaway or a Cobra or whatever, why are you going to pay £200 more? It's just that weird like area of like, I don't get it. Yeah, I, yeah, I can agree with that. If it's You, you can't, for, the, for those big priced manufacturers, I don't think performance should be it. It's the lifestyle of it. You know, exactly. You know, whatever car you've come in today and whatever you know your mate comes in they're both going to get you from a to b one might be a you know volvo the other guy might turn up in a range rover they both do the same job but the message um from the range rover seller would be you know you you ride in more comfort you you luxurious not that it's a better you know more performance car in terms of speed or anything but you'd You'd feel, you know, your lifestyle's better if you're in it. Mm-hmm. I find, I find it's the analogy, yeah, I find the analogy with cars a little bit different, a, a little bit harder to. It's not quite a perfect comparison because a car has got performance benefits. Rolex and Casio's the best. I'd that's say. a better, yeah, that's a better one. And I always yeah. think of even like a like a suit, a suit from Savile Row or a suit from Next. You know, on like you know, yeah. just a reads that feels more like a comparison because with a car there is actual measurable performance benefits you could take both cars onto a track a range rover a volvo and let's say unless that volvo has been specced up more likely the, the range rover is going to win whatever normally the price of the vehicle the speed limit correct this is on a, an empty track <laughs> late at night when we have those mad rides at 11 o'clock <laughs> you know it, there is performance benefits where like guy said a casio and a, a rolex it's been a test of proven that a casio is actually more yeah. reliable I mean, another example we can use this all day. I always think is like a, a belt. You could buy a, a a belt for your trousers for four pound ninety nine or five dollars, whatever, or a Hermes belt for five hundred pounds. You would see no literature that the Hermes belt will hold up your pants any better, but yet you're buying it for those luxury, uh, the feel of it, you know, the, the, the status symbol, so to speak. If a PXG driver was five grand and it was just that because it is, I feel like I'd almost weirdly have more respect for that. It's when they claim and they have these real bold claims that they outperform everything else. Well, we can prove that they don't. So why am I paying more? Yeah. No, here, here. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point. And uh, I need to remind me, I need to take that Hermes bed belt back because uh, it broke the other day. <laughs> it doesn't hold your pants off. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. Um, and then we're going to answer some of your questions again because we've got some loads great from social media. Just a quick point. A video I released last week and I'm sure you might have seen it. Hopefully you did. It, it surprised me on views, actually. I put some new irons in the bag. Uh, I tested some new irons, which I honestly regretted I didn't review earlier in the year. Um, as I mentioned in the video, um, 
I don't, I get sent a lot of products. Sometimes, for whatever reason, I don't get around to testing it. I don't fancy it at the time. It just wasn't as interesting for me. But I remember seeing these clubs in the garage and I was like, hmm, they look quite nice. So picked them back up, took them out, got a full set. Uh, and they were the Ping Blueprint Irons, and they're in the bag at the moment. Uh, I've not played any much golf with them just yet, but I will keep you up to date to whether they will stay in the bag for the rest of the year. New what's in the bag will be coming before 2020 arrives. I've got a question for the listeners, Rick, and if they could tweet us or get us on Instagram to kind of answer this. But how would we you... We don't like Twitter, just use Instagram yeah, or, Facebook, or Facebook, please. Um, I'll, I'll ask you this as well I've not run this by you yet but how would you and all the audience feel about if we did some reviews that were actually like audio reviews so let's say a set of clubs come in that we haven't really got time to make a full YouTube video on but people want to know your thoughts on them maybe we go and review them and we kind of give that a little section on the podcast I like it uh, yeah we'd have to have a, we'd have to be inventive uh, inventive creative in the way that we actually you know assess that but I think I think maybe the listening to the podcast if i'm not mistaken might want to know a little bit more about numbers might know, want to know a little bit more about spin and that's fine we can add, add a little bit of that in I've, you might notice i've subtracted a little bit of that from my youtube content at the moment because as much as it's important we don't want to get bogged down in numbers they're my numbers i can just give you a bit of a baseline but if you want to dive into it a little bit more maybe we could do it on the podcast and i think this could be clubs that have been out for a little while that we haven't had chance to review yet so obviously we don't have to really talk about the looks because people will know what they look like already um, so I think that could be something moving forward that could work, but let us know. Potentially. A putter review would be uh, a bit boring, but yeah, we'll do irons and drivers, baby. <laughs> uh, Guy, did we get any questions coming in? We have got a lot of questions, Rick. Um, so a lot of the people are asking questions about tips. So we, we said that last week that it's quite hard to do um, because obviously we don't know your swings like, but do check out the Facebook page because there's literally videos every single day on there we get asked this a lot rick and this is from max b941 do you keep the clubs you review uh, it's a good question um i do i uh, often keep the clubs I review there's a few reasons for that first off a lot of the irons that i review actually only come in kind of sample irons uh, more recently i've been getting full sets of irons um the drivers i keep because of historic value let's say Let's say next year, TaylorMade bring out a driver and it has a resembling feature to a driver they brought out three years ago. Let's say a jet speed. Well, so straight away, I want to know, I've got a jet speed to hand and I can compare that against the new X driver that's going to come out from TaylorMade, let's say. So um, I do store a lot of it. Uh, I do give it away to friends. Matt Fryer currently has a Mizuno driver that I believe is mine. He's just reminded me on this podcast actually that it is mine, so I need to uh, I need to get that back off him. And I think you've got some clubs in my bag at the moment. I've got the Spider, and I've got a Mizuno two iron. So those Mizuno people that think I hate Mizuno, I don't. <laughs> I have got a two iron in the bag. He's just covering his own back there. But yeah, I do get asked that question a lot. Okay, next question. I'm going to actually ask this to pass this around the table. I'm going to start first, um, and then I'm going to pass it to Matt, and then we're going to leave Rick to last. From golf 24 underscore 7DD, what is your favorite driver? Now, I'm guessing this can be interpreted in any way. I'm going to use it of all time. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to start off to know what I'm going to go with. And I'm going to go with, drum roll, the Titleist 983K. I was literally about to say that. That was one of my Mike favorite. Mic No. Um, <laughs> Callaway. Um, what was it called now? The FT3. 
Or the carbon. Yeah, the, like one of their first carbon, carbon ones. Awesome. Mm. No pressure. Really. Yeah, they're good ones. Um, I am going to go with... I must admit, Tyler's made some good ones back in the day. I'm going to go a little bit more uh, modern for our future, more modern listeners. You know, I don't want to go back too far. I honestly think one of the best drivers that ever made was the TaylorMade M2 Original. Uh, if you can still pick one of those up for a good price, it's definitely worth it because it, it just it seems to just have everything and uh, it sounded unreal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go 983K. Something along those lines was pretty sick. So another question I think will be quite interesting to pass around the table, but I'll hear, we'll get to go with Rick first in this one. What would be your tips for getting fit for a putter? Um, I think there's a couple of things. First off, I think too many. Not, not no, this is wrong. Not enough people overlook the looks. If you want to get fit for a f- putter, yeah, go and get a professional fitting somewhere. Actually, go into a manufacturer is better. So I know Ping do an incredible putting service. Even the the app that they created a couple of years ago, the putting app that they use, is still incredibly accurate and incredibly popular. Uh, you attach your phone basically onto the golf club. It's really cool. But I used to do a little thing and and. I don't think you'll be far away if you did this. Go to like a retail store, like an American Golf or something, and have like a putting green or whatever, and pick out five or six putters you like the look of, and basically just do an elimination test. Mm-hmm. I used to do this all the yeah. time when I was a kid. You know, put until there's one that you don't like, one that you miss a few more often than the others. Okay, put that to the side, put that back on the rack, go for your next one, go for your next one. And over time, you whittle it down to just one. And that might not be perfect for you, but if it's holding putts and you like the feel of it, you like the look of it, you're probably not going to be too far away from the mark. I think for me, I see it on two massively polar um, kind of thoughts I have on this. The first one is that if you go for a full putter fitting, it can be incredible. So I went along with my brother, I think it was last year, and he went to Lee Sullivan at Torex Golf and got a full Odyssey putter fitting and it was class. It was really insightful, and it was it was so good. So I would massively recommend that. On the flip side, and kind of going back to what you've just said, how often I've maybe picked one of the putters up out of your bags or whatever, and I've had a quick swing with it, and I thought, that feels class. Gone and used it and put class with it. Don't know what length it is, don't know the line angle, don't know the weight in, but it just feels good, gives me confidence, and I hold everything to look at. So it feels like there's kind of a spectrum of one end I should be saying, go and get fit, but also it's like sometimes like you can get a random old putter that feels class, gives you confidence, and you hold everything. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same opinion there with you, Guy. Um, we went to Lee Sullivan recently, and even talking about how manufacturers make like the toe hangs and things, and if you have certain tendencies in your stroke, they almost become irrelevant, and that was a bit of a quick way for manufacturers to... Um, to get you fit into a putter but again you know a, a good putter in my eyes can put with anything really if you can just get the ball rolling so it comes down I think very much to to feels and as you stand over it if you like the look of it you you know you gain some confidence so you're going to put a good stroke on it if it feels the right weight in your hands the grip feels the same I've had one putter with one grip on it changed it to another grip and it felt like a totally different putter and it went out of the bag straight away so I think you you either do like what Rick said the the elimination process and pick it that way, or you go down the the route of a full fit and then at least you know you've got that putter that's specifically for you. Yeah, I must admit the grip makes a massive difference. Yeah, in my, like huge. if I pick up a grip club putter and it's got a skinny grip on now, I just put it back. Yeah, I, I just can't use them. Uh, yeah, like, it needs to be a thicker grip. I'm skinny now. You you've gone skinny gone grip. Skinnier, yeah, it's weird. Okay, so let's wrap this up in a minute. But one of the last questions then I can't actually find it, but I remember it from before was. 
something along the lines of um, was it should I think you saw it as well, Rick? Was it should I try or should I buy secondhand golf clubs? I think it was should I. Should I yeah. Try? What What's your opinion on yeah. secondhand golf That's clubs it. and should I buy them? Uh, yeah, God, secondhand golf clubs are great. Now, this comes with a word of word of warning. You saw recently in a recent video that I did, where I bought a driver that was online and it was cheap, and it turned out to be fake. This is where you've got to be careful because if you go to a site where you know. The normal person is selling golf clubs. Places like Gumtree, eBay, Facebook. You run a risk of the product being not up to scratch. It might be cheap, so you might want to take a gamble. But be warned, there is times where the the product will not be in the correct condition. It might be fake. It might be faulty, whatever it is. And you've got no comeback. You might see me do videos with my good friends at Golf Bidder. They're a great website. I know they are only based in the UK and Europe, um, but it's a trusted site. They check everything. Uh, if they don't allow fakes in, they go through all the serial numbers. They know how to identify fakes. So you don't get any, you know, you don't get any surprises when the golf club arrives at your door. Secondhand clubs. If you can test clubs, you know, one of my favourite things. We have a um, a. Oh, I'll tell you where we were, guy. Do you remember when we went to Scottish Golf Show? Last year, and uh, yes. what I can't remember what that shop was called, but there was a retail shop in the Scottish Golf Show, right? And me and Guy, we were walking around the Scottish Golf Show, you know, just taking it all in. A lot of things we've seen before a million times over, so it was a bit, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, I was there working with Garmin, which was really cool. But we scooted off, mm-hmm. and we found a little retail shop. And this retail shop, you get your normal stuff, your nice shoes, your clothes, your bags and everything else. And tucked around the corner was heaven, it was a rack, and a big rack at that, of second-hand clubs. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> well, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean like that. Everyone's always just no, no disrespect, Rick, <laughs> No disrespect to any of the brands that were there, but I can honestly say I was more excited with that little Aladdin's Cave than anything at the golf show. Guy loved the rack. He was all over it. I think, you know, the, the original question as well about second-hand clubs you can, you know, some people, obviously, money's a strange thing, and you might not Sorry, have... Sorry, just, just a quick one. Let me start you there, Matt. Have we talked about what this rack was? Did we say it was second-hand well, clubs? That was then? it. It was a great rack. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rack of second-hand golf clubs, and me and Guy probably spent half an hour picking up old clubs and, you know, literally looking at a Scotty Cameron that was, like, second-hand for maybe 120 quid and going, I, I need this putter. You know, I need this putter in my life. You know why that's so good? For two reasons. As a, a golf nerd, which I think all three of us are, see old clubs that are, like, really good yeah. value is great, but the memories yeah, you see exactly. a wedge you had as a junior or your mate's hybrid you used to have if it's... i'd have seen a cobra trusty rusty there i was buying yeah, it in. do you remember they were in 57 degrees as yeah, well 54 what happened to cobra no, with the wedges yeah well it was odd numbers 53 yeah. 55 57 59 61 uh cobra bring wrong. the trusty rusty back guys that's why you're going degrees. wrong and that, and that like the, the point there you can um you can get all like maybe a year old product or something like it might be say a Mizuno old blade. I know you love Mizuno, guy. You can get the MP30 or something for a hundred pounds or whatever it may be. So you know you're going to still get, you know, maybe a top line brand for a good price. As you um, as you do invest in some second hand clubs, you might not have the money to go and you know spend two thousand quid on a new set of tailor-mades that are like last year's ones. So you just pay last year's one second hand for five hundred or something like that. So. I think there's a lot of value in them, definitely, and on that memory side again, you might. I think definitely in the putter side, you know, get some old Scotty Camerons or a, you know, like imagine the I had a Odyssey DFX two ball. Remember the black those? One. The black one with yeah. yeah. 
if I found one of those again, the blade one, oh, snap it up straight away. So if anyone's got a, is that uh, not what um, Ian Finnis recently bought yeah, for Tommy? Finno. Is yeah, that right? Finno bought one. Yeah, yeah for his Tommy. birthday. Yeah. It's exact, that exact model. I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to questions, nothing wrong with secondhand clothes. Just be careful where you get them from, and if you find a big rack, dive in. Yeah. I think that's the, the typical <laughs> get your face stuck in. Um, our second advert is actually brought to you today by uh, Matt Fryer. Matt Fryer's got a little ad read to give us. Come on, Matt. So uh, if you ever are struggling with your game, do head over to Matt Fryer YouTube Golf because he's going to be helping you out uh, with some friendly tips and he's proud to sponsor the Rick Shields podcast. Wow, I can't, honestly, second episode in and we've got all these sponsors already, it's crazy. So yeah, guys, go and check out Matt, he's a really good friend of mine, he coaches at Trafford Golf Centre, if you ever want a lesson, make sure you go and give him a call. I think the number's still 0161749. 3,000? 7,000. Oh, no. 0161. Spiel day. Uh, option two. What did I just say then? 0161. 749. 7,000. That's it. Ask for Matt. Say Rick sent you. Go and book a lesson with Matt. Like I say, it's been really good to be on the podcast today. Guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Let us know on uh, Instagram and Facebook, not Twitter, uh, whether you want the uh, the podcast to be recorded audio, uh, visually, because I think it would be something we look into in the, into the future. Because uh, as much as you get what... We've been spoiled with YouTube analytics, and I can tell what retention people watch for and everything else. With the podcast, it's nothing. You get a view and that's it. So I want to know a little bit more, and if we did it on YouTube, we'd actually get a little bit more insight as this well. This can be a test then, see how long people listen for. I actually love Mizuno, and everything I said before wasn't true. So, guys, Mizuno fan club comment on Instagram or something. Exactly. He's just, He's just covering his back because I've just looked out the window and it's actually like a, a full on um, vigilante. He's got an ST180 with all the weights. There's a collection of Mizuno fanboys just outside the window ready to take the guy down. Thanks for watching, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed the Rick Shields podcast season two, episode two. Make sure you stay tuned for lots more videos coming your way soon. We've got loads of Facebook videos, YouTube, etc. etc. Thanks for watching, and that is out from me, Matt, and Guy. And we'll see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 